Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. How you doing tonight? I'm looking forward to this episode. I think we're going to have a delightful show for you tonight. We're coming up on Valentine's Day, and the topic tonight is healing the soul of your sexuality, and our guest tonight is Alicia Ashley. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but I want to get back to that feelings. Nothing more than feelings. When we, you know, when we talk about sexuality, um, boy, howdy, especially on planet Earth or maybe in the United States, uh, sexuality can really pull all kinds of feelings up to the surface. There's a there's a pretty dark shadow side of sexuality on in our culture, and um, the sexual element has been monetized and exploited to very uh, um, detrimental effect. I don't think um, I could overstate how dark that side of our culture goes, but let's go back to this feeling thing, because I want to talk about you and, and your relationship with sexuality. uh, Valentine's Day is coming up and maybe you're by yourself and you'd like to be in a relationship. Or maybe you're in a relationship and after 20, what the hell was that, 20, you're not doing so good because you're spending 24-7 in the same flipping house and you're not going to work anymore. What the hell's up with that? It's coming back to that feeling. The thing about... um, our sexuality is when we go to be intimate with our partner, we're bumping up against a part of our psyche, a part of our persona that may or may not bring pleasant feelings to the surface. And if we're not willing to really do anything about that, we can kind of plateau or stagnate for a very very long period of time, decades, sometimes for the rest of our lives, because of the feelings that we're not willing to really go any farther with. And that's what I like about tonight's episode. We're going we're gonna to take a step back and, and look at sexuality as a... a a modality for healing the soul. And uh, I think we're going to have a delightful conversation. The uh, Our guest tonight, Alicia, is a bold, no-nonsense, renegade psychotherapist who speaks her truth about her journey from abused and surviving to healing happy and thriving. Alicia is a rock-solid stand for all women to face the demons of abuse and overcome them. Her goal is to help every woman fall in love with herself and her body and discover just how amazing she truly is. Today, Alicia is a transformational life coach and creator of the Soul of Sexuality program, which features the seven principles of sexual power for women, which she is the author. Through her private coaching, one-on-one VIP days, virtual group programs, live events and retreats, Alicia empowers women to successfully navigate the often messy and frequently confusing process of triumphing over trauma with dignity, grace, and confidence. Please join me in welcoming Alicia to the show. 
Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much, Les. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. The timeliness of this episode is really spot on with Valentine's Day right around the corner. Definitely. But then there's never a bad time to talk about sex. Come on. (laughs) Right. I like that. Uh It's, uh, like I said in the intro, when, when people think about sex or their sexuality, I, a whole, a whole collage, a whole diverse range of feelings can come up with people, come up within people's personas. Can you give us kind of some background to your relationship with sex so we kind of understand where you're coming from? Yeah, I think that um, it's a great question. Like, why is this important to me? And, um, you know, why did I decide to, you know, like step out and start talking about sensuousness and sexuality? And, you know, when you look at the facts, the facts are that one in four women will experience some kind of abuse in their lifetime. And I am one of those women. And so I was violently abused by an older brother when I was five and he was 16. And so that, like, put me on a journey of, um, that could have been, you know, very destructive. Women, uh, and men too, but women um, who don't heal from these kinds of things, um, you know, tend to live lives that are either self-abusive with, you know, drugs, alcohol, um, compulsive overeating, all kinds of addictions. Um, and just really put themselves in harm's way because of that lack of self-worth. And so I got very lucky at an early age. I developed a compulsive eating disorder. And um, at some point when I was around 19 or 20, I decided I needed to do something about that. And I heard an advertisement on the radio left for Overeaters Anonymous, and they said, if you can't quit feeding your face and you can't quit figuring out, call Overeaters Anonymous. Right, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if their public service announcement was really like that or if the DJ just kind of like said that. <laughs> but I got to my first meeting, and the reason that's important for you and I tonight is because part of working those steps is that you tell some of your deepest, darkest secrets to somebody who's called a sponsor. And I was 21 the first time I ever spoke about the abuse that I experienced. And so that began my journey of healing. And so this is a very important topic to me because I'm one of those women who should kind of be curled up in a corner in a catatonic state. Right. Wow. Powerful. Well, from yeah. from the age of five to twenty one. Now, as a five year old, your emotional skill set. I mean, we don't know shit from Shinola at that age. No, we don't. And and yeah. and so to to um, mask it, to to take on eating as a way to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but the, there's some rawness to it. And at that age, wow, that's that's really tough. So um, addictions of all kinds of different sorts could crop up as a result of that. And then from 5 to 21, talk about anchoring patterns of belief, anchoring patterns of emotional avoidance. I mean, uh, to, to come around the band at 21 and say, time out, I need some help, that is... Um, that's actually really powerful because here you are now sharing that with our audience, and you're you're able to talk about that openly and and like you had mentioned that that wasn't the way right out of the bat. Um, so so besides eating, how how else did you see your response to to such a intense uh, condition at such a young age? Oh, tremendous low self-esteem. I mean, I felt like I was the dirt on the floor. And a lot of that was that not only did I experience this sexual abuse from my brother, my mother was a very violent and aggressive woman. So I was experiencing verbal and physical abuse from her. And it was almost like she was patterning how my brothers could treat me. 
You know, my brothers were allowed to just normally mistreat me even, you know, while we're watching TV. They could call me slave. Go get me a piece of toast. Go get me some Dr. Pepper. You know, they were allowed to treat me like that. So I had an inherent lack of self-worth that I must be so unlovable. I must be so unimportant and insignificant for my parents to allow my brothers to treat me this way and for my mother to be so mean and evil to me and so that low self-worth showed up in eating because eating overeating I should say uh, like numbed those feelings out right you know eating eating is it's legal first of all (laughs) everybody does it you can get it really cheap at the gas station (laughs) or anywhere and yeah yeah yeah. so I could really anesthetize my feelings and at the same time when I'm doing that I'm also distorting my body so that I'm not you know particularly sexy or attractive and so it really um, served to numb out and distort in a lot of a lot of ways but I made a I made a big decision though and this was the day where I said you know, this isn't my problem. I was an innocent five-year-old. I'm carrying around the skeletons of the rest of my family. Their skeletons are in my closet, and I want those skeletons out of my closet. And so I went through a very powerful process of psychotherapy and creating the ability to confront my family, not just my brother, but my parents. Um, about what had happened. And so, you know, uh, this could, this could occupy the whole show because I don't no, want to do that, but I no, do we won't. Give, we won't. Yeah. But, but I do want to give a key thing is that when I confronted my brother and, you know, I lived in uh, California and he was in Oklahoma at the time. And so when I said and called that day and said, do you remember doing this to me? And he was very arrogant. And he said, well, no, I don't remember doing that. But if I did, I'd be really sorry. And Jesus is coming and you should repent your sins and you should make your relationship with mom. Right. And on and on and on with all this judgment. And I said, well, no, what I really need to do is get off the phone with you right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then six months later, the phone rang and somebody was crying on the other end of the line. And this was before caller ID. And it was him. And yeah. he said, he said, I sobbing, like sobbing like a baby. Yeah. I, I do remember. And I am very sorry. And Jesus is coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, now, uh, we're not going to stay on this side of the coin, yeah. but, no. Um, no. but it helps uh, listeners relate. Yeah. So not only was your brother um, treating you bad, but the parents were indifferent to it. Mm-hmm. And I suggest uh, for your brother to call back sobbing, it was scarring him at some point, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, so, and so that wound, we're going to leave this topic real soon here, but that wound was was really a family dynamic. And I suggest that here you are now, able to articulate such a powerful story, your soul chose a family dynamic to put you through the ringer so you could emerge uh, emerge from that as a very powerful persona to, to put a language, to put a voice to what is the shadow, what is darkness, what is fear, what is pain in so many people's psyche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so many of us right now, like what you're describing touches me as rising like the phoenix out of the ashes. Nice. And like that's this time period we're all in right now called the pandemic is that we all get to rise like the phoenix out of the ashes. But time and time again, um, I have felt like that's what I was, you know, being given the opportunity to do. And, you know, ultimately after that period of time, because in that period of therapy, um, you know, I would go back into the therapy and we had to uh, talk about like, what if they told me I was crazy and they were never going to speak to me again? What if they said, what if they said you deserved it? You asked for it. What if they said, you know, that like I was making things up and, you know, like I we had to go through all these things. Like, what if they said this and and then the therapist would ask me, she said, so if they, if they say they're going to disown you, you 
still want to speak your truth, Alicia? And I said, yes, I have no choice but to speak my truth. There is nothing that is going to cause me to hold this within me. And I know that some of our listeners today are sitting there going, well, I was abused, but I would never say anything to my dad or my grandpa or the church, the minister, the bus driver, you know, um, and you don't have to, you don't have to. I want to make sure that everyone knows that you can heal. Today we're really talking about healing the soul of our sexuality and no one has to confront. Confronting was just right for me. I knew that I wasn't going to, feel happy and fulfilled until I confronted my perpetrator. Well, very nice. You're languaging this very well. And I, <laughs> Thank no, you. I, no, no, no. I mean, you're very articulate, and I, and I love that. Now, now, we've talked about the scarring and, and, the, and the imprinting of our psyche. Now to flip that over, because when you talk about um, the the journey out of the pain. When you talk about um, this kind of scarring for years, maybe even decades, um, that uh, it it it's not an instantaneous thing. Yeah. And and your sense of self worth can show up in so many non sexually related aspects of your life. So um, first of all. I applaud you for being on the show and being so articulate and and giving a voice. You're modeling, you're showing that it's possible to put a voice to something that was very deeply scarred in your psyche. So kudos to you. So when we when we talk about the the platform of sexuality, um, so often when we talk about it at the the cooler at the office. <laughs> it, it's racy and exciting, and and we have this I don't know Las Vegas version of it, or you, you know what I mean? I mean, because because the movies portray it as some kind of a, a wonderland, so to speak, yeah. and then when you go to show up, you go to show up in your sexuality, and then these feelings, <laughs> right, start coming up. How do you deal, how do you work through that? Well, that's really the journey of healing. And I think that what, what happens with trauma and abuse, and, you know, we're kind of zeroing in on sexuality today, but there are plenty of our listeners right now who were not ever sexually abused, but they were like verbally abused or they were raised in alcoholic homes and trauma exists. And so healing from trauma first of all, is really recognizing that it's important. Like you deserve to live a happy life. Right, yeah. And, and if we're not honoring that happiness is important, then we just like become imploded. We're imploding it all in and bringing this negativity into our lives without saying, no, hell no, I'm not going to live this way. Right, yeah. you know. And so that first step I think is really – um, noting that it is important to really uh, pursue the pursuit of happiness is important. And when we zero that into sexuality, like that our sexuality is important and that it is something that is God given. And the fullest expression of that is what we all want to seek. Now, I know some uh, people right now are hearing this and they just want to puke. Like yeah. when they think of, think of what the fullest expression, and this is something that I do frequently during our virtual classes, that I want everyone who's attending to have this fullest and extending our arms as far out to the left <laughs> and right. And, and that that's for each person. Yeah. That's for that person. Like yeah. what that fullest expression is for one person isn't anywhere close to the other. Right. And in our retreats, there's all these discussions. Well, yeah, but what about role playing? And what about toys? And it's like, if that's what your fullest self-expression wants to play with and express, then yes, yes, yes. Right. And so, yes. But, um, but what we have to get to is the part where we're comfortable with that. And the comfortableness comes with not being inhibited in like it's okay to want to be sexual 
and that it's okay to like explore and um, that it's okay to enjoy pleasure, you know, and this is part of the reason that I wrote the seven principles of sexual power for women is that I wrote them for myself. You know, I had met, I had met husband number one and there were only two, there were only two. Okay. (laughs) Anytime you say husband number one, everyone's like, well, how many were there? Right. So, um, but when I met him, I was only 19. And so he walked through a lot of this journey with me. And um, he was 20 years older than I was and just a wonderful man. But as you can understand, we just grew apart. And, um, and then I was kind of like, now I'm close to 30 and like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, and I began to write the seven principles of sexual power for women. And um, like they became my sexual bill of rights, how I was going to live my life. And so the first principle is really about how it's our right to love and adore our body, no matter what shape it is. And like that, that first principle, like how can you want someone else or allow someone else to love and adore your body if you're in a state of hate towards your body. And so I just began working with these kinds of principles and allowed myself to recognize that my sensuousness and my sexuality were really important and that I not only wanted to heal and that healing meant a sense of empowerment, like not shame, this isn't wrong, I'm not gonna have to like hide over here in the corner to talk about this, like, sensuality and sexuality in the healthiest manner is something to celebrate because it is a gift of God. And so that's what healing the soul of sexuality is. The soul of sexuality is that part of us that is there before the abuse, before it's silenced by religion, before we're damaged. And that is the innocence. And that is the part that doesn't feel shame and that can feel a sense of pure pleasure and know that pleasure is a gift to really be experienced. And so that journey of healing is one that really begins first with giving oneself permission to heal. I like that. And I like what you said. I mean, um, the the imprinting the the abuse so to speak the um, the dogma the the pain that we take on doesn't it have to be related to sexuality I mean yeah. guilt and shame guilt and shame are like the, the wicked poison and wicked poison that's the, it it is they, they are they are and they, they absolutely come in so are. many flavors um, there's so many ways you can take on guilt and shame. Yeah. Guilt yeah. is blaming yourself and shame is society blaming you in a yeah. general sense. But but what I really like about this conversation is it doesn't matter if sexuality was involved in the 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 pain, the the heavy imprinting, but yeah. sexuality and what what a cool way to heal sexuality yeah can be the vehicle to heal non-sexually related pain because from my perspective when you when you go to be intimate with yourself or with a, a partner you bump up against feelings that come up and if we don't if if we always avoid the feelings because at five years old Feelings can be so overwhelming that we can say never, never again, and we just shut it down, and decades later it comes back, and we can drop into that reaction. How do we, how do we um, develop a new interaction, a new outcome to feelings that we might have avoided for a very long time? Mm-hmm. That's the sexual healing that we're really talking about. Right. And so one of the tools that I encourage everyone to use is journaling. And so journaling, like when I began my healing journey, um, I didn't know 
feeling beyond hot and cold, you know, and then occasionally, like if I felt really intense anger or really intense fear, but feelings, they had to be intense for me to really log in. So just normal everyday feelings of, you know, sadness or joy or just the basics, unless they were really intense, I didn't have any connection to them. And so the process of journaling is really important. And I love the concept of just doing kind of a consciousness dump, you know, that you just begin to write what's going on and write what you're feeling. And so you're learning how to be in touch with those feelings and learning how to articulate them and learning that it's okay. I was told so many times that it didn't matter what I felt. I mean, like point blank, your feelings don't matter. And so to reclaim that, like, yeah, my feelings do matter. (laughs) You know, this, our world is our feelings. And so as we're learning how to feel and then how to express those feelings and then how to make requests, that help us have better, more positive feelings, you know, that begins a whole journey of healing because what we're doing is we're recognizing, like, I'm a valuable person, you know, I matter. And then I begin to treat myself like I matter and, you know, kind of putting into proper perspective the whole concept of body positivity and body image. Um, Like we're, taught with the images that we see on the television and in magazines and uh, movies that there's just this one kind of body type that's particularly sexy to men and women, you know, both of them are slender, both of them are kind of muscular. And, and that if you're anything out of that, that you're not sexy and sensual. And so to be able to recognize that most healthy people have a much wider range (laughs) of of what's sexy to them. Like, you know, it's somebody doesn't have to have this model perfect body. And I think women are just incredibly tough on ourselves when it comes to that. And so the whole concept of, you know, making love with the lights out and, you know, that really comes in and it's like, you know, when we can love our bodies, no matter what the size or shape is, then we don't have to live in this like, um, self-imposed prison of in being inhibited. Right. Like we get to begin to have that um, sexual freedom of self-expression, which I think is so important. And um, you've touched a couple of times on, you know, like self-pleasuring. And I think it's always important to talk about because in my years as um, a psychotherapist in private practice, I cannot tell you how many Um, people have come to me and one of the heaviest burdens that they bear is that around judgment around, you know, self-sex and masturbation. And, you know, like, like, you know, they were caught doing it and then like, how dare you, how can you respect yourself? And just, just tons of judgment coming around that. And one of my favorite um, therapists, she would say, if God didn't mean for you to do it, your arms would only be this long. <laughs> and if you're listening and can't see us right now, you know, it's like your hands come out of your shoulders. Right. Yeah. If, if, if God didn't intend for us to be able to pleasure ourselves, our hands wouldn't go like right to that area. Right. <laughs> and so, but, but I just, I want to bring sacredness to solo sensuality and I want to bring just a healthy feeling of uh, joy and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And that pleasure isn't something that, you know, if you experience too much pleasure, you're just going to like become this horrible person. Right. And, you know, what is the hedonist? You're just going to become this hedonist. And it's just not that way. But I have to say it took many years for me to get the most important healing less. And the most important healing because of coming from an abusive background was I was looking everywhere under every, you know, rock around every corner and every closet and every person for what I have coined to be lava. I was looking for love, attention, validation, and approval from other people. Like, will you be the one to love me? Will you be the one to approve of me? Will you be the one to validate me? Will you be the one to acknowledge me? 
And so it was a long journey before I was able to see that I had to get and give that lava, that love, attention, validation, and approval to myself, and that I had to connect to, for me, a higher power that, you know, helped me to feel that sacred sense of self-worth. And you so beautifully shared in my introduction that one of the things that I want is for women to, like, love themselves and to see their magnificence and to be able to step into this realm of, you know, I'm a wonderful person and I deserve pleasure and I deserve to fully express my sensuousness and sexuality no matter what that is. Like that's like I want to shine that light. I want to be like the lighthouse in the middle of that storm for your listeners right now that they're in this chaos and confusion about how does this relate to me, you know? And I want to just say that there's so much light at the end of that tunnel and it is sunshine and it is beauty and it's not the oncoming train. Yeah. Well, well, I, I really like um, what you said because uh, when you, when you look for others to validate you mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter what package your body has, um, when you have that as what you're looking for, there's this, this dependency. It's like, come to me and fulfill me because I'm not full myself. You will be it for me. You will be it for me. You will be it. And when you say you've got to find that within yourself, that's that's the beginning of the journey to really wonderfulness, really, because it's a birthright. We're hardwired for this stuff. I mean, it's an inherent part of who we are is, as as human beings, and so I I, I really like the um, to, to to come to the point of realizing that who I'm looking for is me. Yeah. And yeah. and then the, just because you have that aha moment, and that can be a very powerful thing. It can be the the new tangent, the new direction for the rest of your life. Doesn't mean you're going to go back into it. And and it's kind of an in and out, in and out. But every time you go in and out, you end up a little, little better than you were before. Um, I I did want to touch on the masculine side just a little bit because men tend to want to fix, and when they see their partner go into an emotional reaction, mm-hmm. it's like I've got to do something here. This is this is on <laughs> me now. Yeah. This is yeah. on me now. Yeah. And I have good news for you guys. <laughs> How people feel happens inside them. You don't have any say how people feel. So you can't be responsible for how somebody's feeling. In fact, just to hold the space to allow them to lose it, to allow them to go into sorrow and despair, you don't have to fix it. Yeah. You can just be present, just be present and hold space for them, and that's that sacred part. Mm-hmm, to, be, to be present when another person is, is mm-hmm. processing pain, to mm-hmm. going into their own psyche and bringing this, this quagmire out and just to hold the space so they feel safe enough. You know, I had... Uh, uh, it kind of works both ways. I, I had a men's group, and uh, I found a, a really kind of odd thing. We had a talking stick, and unless you were holding the stick, shut up. <laughs> That's great. I <laughs> and, love it. And so we would pass it from, from person to person, and somebody would take the stick and then say, well, I don't really have much to say, and blah, blah, blah. And what they were really doing, what I figured out as as the host of this men's group, was they were testing the water. Mm. They were testing the water. And then after three or four or five times around, when they really figured out that they could say something and not be interrupted, Mm -hmm. they would start a paragraph with no idea where the paragraph was going, and all of a sudden this this 
stuff would come out of them. I mean, it was amazingly painful. One man said, my family left me. I went to work on a normal day, and I came home, and the house was empty. Everything was gone. My wife was gone. My children were gone. And he had never verbalized that. So when we talk about this intimacy, when you hold the space, and that can go both ways, when you hold the space for another, you're allowing a much deeper connection to happen without doing anything. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to manage it just to hold that space. And so I I wanted to share that because when you're in a relationship and one person starts healing, it kind of drags the other one along. And if they're not so ready to really butt up against their feelings, it can create a little bit of tension. So I wanted to verbalize that part. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Because... I like to address men in this topic as well because they frequently have met the woman who's suffering from the trauma. And what that sounds like is that, you know, that she feels so insecure about her body and about her sensuality that, you know, maybe she can't be touched a certain way or a certain place. Maybe she can't hear certain sounds or certain smells. Like the whole thing can really cast a big dark shadow over someone. And usually the man loves this woman so much. You know, I just remember during my years of um, private practice, just the men that would just love their wives so much and they wouldn't understand why she couldn't let them love her, you know. And so I think that men suffer from a different aspect of it, Um, but that the healing journey of recognizing that healing is important and that those scars, you know, like I shared at the beginning, like I'm really the one who should be in the corner. (laughs) I'm like, no, don't say that to me. Don't, you know, don't, I should have a really long list of don't do and don't say. (laughs) And to be really frank with you, but not too personal is that I'm, so grateful because I do have the opportunity to experience that fullness of sexual self-expression that I feel is really healthy and without scars. I mean, I just want everyone to know that the healing is so possible and uh, it's not easily attainable because of um, bringing up all those feelings is like a dark cloud over our head, but it doesn't last forever I call it the healing pain like there's healing pain and there's hurting pain and that when we go into the healing pain the healing pain is processing the feelings is going to therapy is going to support groups and we're going into the pain we're digging deeper and it feels like we're going into this black hole and we do but we we really surface at some point and the, the hurting pain is like if I had continued to practice compulsive overeating or for those who continue to practice drug addiction and alcohol addiction. Like it looks like I'm doing this to avoid that pain, but we're causing more pain. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's a deeper, darker pain and you just stay on that treadmill um, or that hamster wheel of pain, more pain, more pain. And that when you're processing the healing pain is that it is a sacred pain and it is something that you can process to the other side and that you get to live in the joy and the full self-expression of that. So I want to paint an interesting picture for you. This is really intimate. So during the pandemic, um, we've all, you know, especially the first part, just missed human connection. And so I love to use a beautiful retreat house in Malibu, California, called the Sarah Retreat, S-E-R-R-A. And it's a Franciscan retreat center. And so, you know, they have space for 100 people, and it's booked, like, solid all the time. You can't get, you know, dates. You know, I'm lucky if I get it twice a year. During the pandemic, I've hosted five live retreats. Wow. And one was on mastering your emotional triggers. One was um, thriving after isolation. Two of them were on the soul of your sexuality and the seven principles of sexual power for women. And so, um, so imagine like we, most of them had to be outdoors. There was only one that was indoors because it was raining that weekend. So we figured out how to be indoors, but they were in, 
beautiful patios that, you know, I love transforming an environment into something that looks like a sacred temple. One of the women, she says, oh, this feels like a temple in Bali. And so we did that, but we were talking about the soul of sexuality. And I'm here to tell you just, just tears and tears and tears of women coming to terms with where their abuse led them to, you know, affairs after affairs after affairs, just because they didn't know that they were whole and complete or others who, you know, just didn't date forever because they were too afraid of getting lost into the relationship. And, you know, just these cathartic connections with women without touching not hugging, not holding hands, yeah. <laughs> keeping our distance. Like yeah. these were such sacred gatherings, Les. It was amazing. And so just as I've shared with you, I always share that I want them to have this fullest self-expression that's perfect for them. No one's going to decide that. I don't decide it. They decide it. Right. And the other, the other moment that's a really big epiphany is when I share your sensuality and sexuality is for you and you alone, if you decide to share it with someone else, that's your choice. Right. And I wish I could have a picture of the eyeballs <laughs> that go, what? What? Right. Because there's just this unspoken thing that, well, if he bought you dinner and took you to a movie and, you know, right. this kind of, this oh, kind of sure, stuff that, that – Wait a second. This is 2021. Is this stuff still going on? Yeah. Yeah. And so to hear your sensuality and your sexuality is for you and you alone. If you choose to share it with someone else, that's your choice. Right. So these are just moments that like the world opens up for women and you can see it. And then part of healing is forgiving ourselves and like forgiving ourselves for the journeys that we've gone on, not knowing, like not knowing that there was another way. And so that forgiveness, you can just watch these women, it just melts off of them. Right. You know, this, this shame and guilt that they've held. And so at the end of one of those retreats, I just said, I can't wait for the day that you all text me or message me about what an amazing sexual experience you've had. And, and I just look forward to that. And we're talking like really theoretical here. Okay. You know, or in that moment it seems, and I have to tell you, it was just so liberating to one of our closing ceremonies is we have a beautiful um, uh, box. It's like a treasure chest and it's a beautiful ceremony as I have write them write down something that they're going to let go of regarding their sensuality and sexuality. And they come up to the altar kind of like with their, and, you know, they say, you know, I, Alicia, Ashley, and, you know, I now release all fear around my sexuality. I release all guilt and shame, whatever it is they are. And then they take that piece of paper and they tear it into pieces and they open the box. And if they want to kneel down, they kneel down and they put it in the box and they close the box and then they stand and do a namaste bow. Yeah. And it's just one of the most beautiful um ceremonies and one woman who just had one of the most beautiful bodies you know but she had shame she had body shame and so she was releasing this body shame and you know many of the women were there like well dang if I had her body I sure wouldn't feel body shame like what are you talking about but you know everybody gets that space it's not judgmental or whatever and I gotta tell you on Monday morning you know I'm spent because I've just poured into these women everything that I've got to just really midwife a new sexuality for them in a weekend and new healing for them in a weekend. So I'm like, I'm like waking up on Monday morning going, Oh, what do I have to do today? Well, not much because I took the day off (laughs) and I look at my cell phone and there's a text there and I look at the text like, what is that a picture of? That's a picture of a blindfold, a bottle of oil, um, <laughs> like three, three really cool toys that I don't own. Right. And the, I, look at, I look at who that's from, and it's from one of the women at the retreat. And she says, I hope your night was as good as mine. 
and I just start crying yeah. that 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 was what happened at one moment in one weekend. And of course, before I could call her back, my phone rings and I'm still laying in bed. And I said, so what had to take place at the weekend for, um, you know, you to have this experience? And she says, well, the first thing I have to tell you is that my husband said, I'm so glad I've got my wife back. Nice. Oh, my goodness. And so I said, what had to take place? And she said, well, before we made love that night, I read sexual power principle number one and number six. And number one says, it is your right and responsibility to feel proud of your body and to love, accept, and adore it just as it is now and forevermore. And she said, I took that into our lovemaking in a different way than I had before. And number six is, it is your right and responsibility to communicate openly and honestly with your partner about your wants, needs, and feelings before, during, and after your sensual or sexual with them. And she said, I took that spirit of communication and freedom in communication into that. And I just brought forward a part of me that had been, you know, missing and that, you know, her husband said, I'm so glad I finally got my wife back. And I love to share that story. And I wanted to share it with you and your audience because that's what's possible. And it doesn't take a lifetime, you know, that your listeners right now, many of them might be going, oh, but I'm too old to begin this journey. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm too far gone. If Alicia and Les only knew what I've been doing, right. you know, I'm, I'm a really bad case. And I just really want to take the stand and hold the hand of anyone who's listening to us right now and call you forward to your own healing is that we all deserve to heal and to experience joy in our sensuousness and sexuality. Very well said. I love that. What a great story, too. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it really doesn't yeah. matter what package you have. Guilt and shame can, can train wreck any. any. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it really can. So um, we've got uh, about 10 minutes left. Good. And, and so let's, let's dangle that carrot because... Now, Alicia, if you look at where you are now with your sexuality and then back up to your maybe teenage years, yeah. there's because um, when when you go into that sacred space and and you you kind of capitulate or release this this guilt and shame, yeah. it, there's it's it's like you're uh, birthing yourself into a new persona, and mm-hmm. and sexually, as both partners allow this back and forth to happen, it shows up as new sex, no matter how old the relationship is, because you're new people, you're mm-hmm. new personas. Literally, there's a, I, um, I mean, how would you describe it? it it's it, it puts a, a a new energy in. It doesn't matter how old the relationship is. You're you're different people, and as you as you keep going back to the well and releasing this back and forth through this sexuality, you're blossoming and you're blossoming and you're blossoming, and then it's like, damn! <laughs> Throw the reins down on the horses. Let's get to this, and then you can do really powerful powerful healing in a, a very short period of time through your sexual interaction with a beloved. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, you know, like I actually felt guilt and shame for giving up the guilt and shame. <laughs> like, wait a second. Like, wait a second. I'm supposed to be miserable. That's right. I'm supposed to be unhappy. I'm supposed to feel repressed and suppressed yeah. and oppressed. Right. Like, like I'm supposed to feel everything that is pushed down and silenced. And so, like, wow, here I am. I'm soaring and I'm ex- 
expressing and I'm empowering. And it took a while to get over that and be able to say that, you know, like the divine grace and the divine happiness, like it is so it's a deep well within us. And Louise Hay was the one that so beautifully talked about that deep well of love within us and that she called it forth with affirmations. And I think those are just a really powerful tool. And so I think in these final minutes with our topic being healing the soul of our sexuality, um, like that healing is coming to a very beautiful peace that maybe what happened to you was not your fault. You didn't ask for it. You didn't deserve it. Um, you didn't like bring it on. And um, no matter what they told you, um, I've had the, you know, sad situation to uh, watch a lot of women, you know, bring these things forward to their families and they not turn out so well, but everything they said isn't true. You know, so like giving that back and then choosing to chart a new course and to sing a new song and to dance a new dance is that we all have the freedom to choose that. And, um, you know, I'm sad to say that a lot of that meant for me um, not having contact with my mother for, you know, the better part of two decades. And um, that was a powerful choice. That was one of the most powerful choices that I ever made because her method of relating to me was always a put down. It was always a degrade. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't allow myself, if we take the example of the seed in the soil, yeah. like when that seed is in that soil, it is germinating. Yeah. That seed is growing. You can't see it. But if we, like, dig in there and go, oh, <laughs> you know, we ruined the whole process. Yeah. And so my little seed could never have grown if I continued to be around someone who kept, you know, stomping me and, you know, throwing poison on me and, and doing that. And I've reached a beautiful level of forgiveness over the years, but I think that choosing to say I deserve a happy life no matter what is such a powerful choice. And that it doesn't have to look anything like what I've shared that my journey is. Mine's just a journey. Right. It's not the right journey, the only journey. It's just a journey. And the message that I really want to come through loud and clear is that you have a choice. You have a choice. You're in control. I like that. The, yeah. You know, the I, I love the saying, um, my age my age is none of my business. <laughs> I haven't heard that saying before, Les. <laughs> because as far as my soul is concerned, oh. we're, we're talking about soul healing. The soul can experience joy, yeah. happiness, excitement, creativity, passion, yeah. Yeah. sensuality at any age. There's no the, the soul is quite timeless. And so... When you yeah. hold your age, when you hold your condition, when you hold your insert name of bullshit here as an <laughs> excuse as to why you can't, yeah. well, there you have it. You've locked yourself up with whatever that BS was. Yeah. But in truth, any day, every day, the soul knows how to do all these things. The soul yeah. knows how to bring joy, to bring passion, to bring creativity, to bring love, to bring tenderness. Yeah. And I tell you what, if you haven't had tenderness for decade upon decade upon decade, and yeah. then you feel it, how powerful is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, really, there's, there's no age group here. It's, it's really a timeless mm -hmm. opportunity for us to to make it important for ourselves, no matter what our past is. Mm -hmm. And families that are just um, uber um, dysfunctional, you know, like there's the alcoholism, the narcissistic parent, the drug addiction, you know, tenderness and understanding and kindness are just so frequently not present. Right. And so what happens then is that, you know, frequently 
we're drawn then to the people who are not tender and are not kind. We're drawn to that same kind of abuse. It's just a different face and a different name, but it's our mom or our dad. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to make, I want to make sure. <laughs> I want to make sure our audience knows how to get in touch with you. What services do you offer? One-on-one, yeah. online, yes. books. Yeah. Give us a little whole yeah. picture. Yeah, the whole picture. That's right. Um, well, I'm easy to find on Facebook and on Instagram in the soul of sexuality. And then also, you know, my own name is everywhere, too. So still working on the website, but um, I do. I love to do one-on-one coaching and therapy. Um, love the weekend retreats and virtual conferences, which I'll be doing a lot more of now. So, um, and my, I might as well give my phone number right here, huh? 714-323-7361. And, you know, I think that reaching out and just saying I related, um, you know, is just one of the biggest and best steps. And, you know, like I'd be open to whatever, you know, teachings you have. I'd love to respond. So, and thank you so much, Les for giving me this platform. And do I have 30 seconds more? You betcha. The the day that you sent your note to me was one of the biggest days of my life because I spoke out for the first time on Facebook about the child sexual abuse that I encountered. And to wake up the next day, I'm going to get all emotional now, to wake up the next day and have your note just say, I'd love to interview you. And Um, was just such an affirmation that, yes, Alicia, you need to speak out on this topic. And our initial phone call was just so delightful. And and you said, like, well, somebody who's written the seven principles of sexual power for women has a certain kind of stirring in her soul that needs to to really be magnified. So I just have to thank you for seeing that and giving me this platform. And you know, I've always heard this voice in the back of my head. I don't hear a lot of them, but I do hear this one to this day, and it is that my my goal or my calling is to make a major difference in the lives of women around the world. And so thank you for helping me do that today. Bravo. Well, if I can be a small little inkling <laughs> of that, then I'm all in. Good, it, good. Um, the human persona is a is a very very powerful modality, and our sexuality is very very powerful. So, Alicia, I'd say to you, mm-hmm. you're here to kick some divine ass, <laughs> and, and you don't have to explain nothing to nobody how that comes about. Mm-hmm. So, I celebrate you. You. And I want to thank you for being our, our guest tonight. It's uh, it's really been a delightful conversation. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Alicia, and the topic tonight has been healing the soul of your sexuality. Wow, what a what a delightful episode! That was so much fun. It's um, I. I've been interviewing people now for 10 years, and sexuality is a very, very powerful thing. And if you don't ever get past your stigma with it, it you can't really feel that power. But, but as you heal, as you, as you immerse in it more and more and more, not only does it get easier, but it gets more powerful. And when your power comes back online, then you can really own your life in a very freeing and substantial way. So it's always a pleasure to share with you uh, episodes like we've had tonight. Uh, I encourage you to go to newhumanliving.com and check out the the platform there. Uh, The whole premise behind this show is the empowerment of of the human persona, which is you and me. So... You showed up for yourself. You listened to this episode, and I applaud you for that. I want to thank you. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, listening.
This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.